Welcome to Between the Ears, the podcast that believes it's all in your head. This is episode one. You're about to hear an unscripted conversation about justice. What is justice? What can we do? What should we do? These are very difficult questions. Each podcast, our goal is to have some potential answers by the end for our listeners. I'm Stack, and here is Z Stuff with the start of our show. I would like to talk about a murder in New York City that happened in the Bronx of a 15-year-old boy, which was a case of mistaken identity, and it was caught on video. This has affected me since June when it originally happened. Um, I feel like it could have been one of my brothers. It really has hit home because it's just a sad, sad story. And to see the outcome has just been on my mind for the longest. So justice has been served, so to speak, as far as the legal system? Yes, they have all been arrested. Now, this is well, this is heavy that we're starting with a murder. Um, but truly, if anything's going to capture our sense of justice, it's a murder. And this one affected you a lot. You said so. And I can hear it in your voice. And I think our listeners can, too. It didn't affect me, but I do remember the headline. And for some reason, it floated by me with a bunch of other headlines. And that's kind of interesting and in why we're talking about justice um, in terms of what we can do or what we should do. Should that have captured my attention? Should I have done something? Should I have felt something? Um, right now, I almost feel guilty that you remember this and you care so much about it. And, and I don't. So um, tell me about the, the what should I know about it? What should I have remembered? What, what happened as far as justice with that, if anything, so, with that case? They were all arrested, which happened within a few days of the murder. Um, they all pled out to murder one. It was manslaughter. So they, it was some heavy charges. I don't think you should feel guilty. Not everybody sits there and pays attention to what's going on everywhere aside from where they are. I just happen to pay attention to this because that's my hometown of New York City. And that's where I pay attention to no matter what. All right. So I'm feeling a little bit better, I think. But let's go with the justice that was done. So you said they... They, they pled it out. They had charges. Yes. So justice has been done, so to speak, per our legal system. Was that the, is that justice? Is that justice served in this country? A different country might have handled this differently. Do you, do you think it was justice served? Because you, this case has stuck with you and you followed it. Do you think justice has been served? Honestly, if I was in another country, I would like it to be an eye for an eye. I don't think that them getting to sit there in jail while everybody supports them is justice served. That's the best we can do, but it's never going to bring him back and his mother's never going to have him anymore. I wonder, that's what I keep thinking about as a parent, the mother or father of of that, that victim. Do they feel justice has been served? I wonder. I wonder too. I can only say from my end, I don't think it is. As a parent, I know she said in numerous interviews that it won't bring him back, but at least they're off the street, not able to hurt anyone else. So we might have an answer to our first question that your definition for justice would be an eye for an eye. Mine wouldn't be, but that's really hard to say. So if we, if we flip this case and say, instead of somebody in New York City in the Bronx, it was your sibling it was my sibling 
would my answer be different? Would your answer be different? Yes. I think so too. And that that's what we're going to struggle with is what is justice? It's all dependent upon the person. We all have a different definition of it. Honestly, if it was my family member, I would want to sit here and have them hung. I would want to see them hanging. I would want to torture them. I can't even sit here and lie about it. Sometimes I feel like it's just too easy for them to just be arrested and go to jail. Why do they get three hots and a cot? Why do they get to sit here and get all the medical expenses paid for them? It's like a hotel for the criminals. Why is that okay? Over 1% of our society is incarcerated. Is that really helpful to the people that have made these mistakes and these horrible crimes? And is that helpful, helpful to our society? You kind of mentioned it with the cost. I, I don't know from a bigger picture beyond an ind individual view of justice if it's good for our society overall. I want to say injustice, should forgiveness be an aspect of justice? Should mercy be an aspect of justice? Does that fit in with justice at all? Because what we're talking about so far, I think, is revenge or vengeance, no? Yes. I, it, again, it's all dependent on the type of person. But I think at some point you do have to forgive because if not, you're holding on to all that anger and hate and it's not gonna, that's not going to bring the person back either. So at some point you do have to forgive, but what are you really forgiving? What are you forgiving? Yeah. So we have that, that individual case and what happens for an individual. What if we didn't, what if they weren't a family member? You followed the case. Other people have followed the case, no doubt. What, what should we do as citizens? What can we do? If it's not our family member, we don't feel a deep emotional uh, connection. Do we have any sort of responsibility or any role in that justice at all? I think as a community, we do. Reading the article, they're stating that somebody else wants to open up that bodega again because the old owners no longer have it. People are arguing that there should be a community center for the children, which I understand. And I think that would be a great idea. You know, you notice that there's an issue in the community, but it took this murder on camera to sit here and trigger this emotion out of everybody. You knew, you know what goes on in your community, but you're just going to sit here and wait. Is it too late? I wonder who's driving that effort because for the victim's family, I think you probably make sense out of evil by trying to do something good. And if it's the community in general or a political official, maybe law enforcement, maybe they're actually using it as an opportunity to address the cause, which is what you're talking about. Why couldn't they see this before? Why couldn't they do something before? So I wonder which one it is. Is it an act to, to make sense of things so that life has meaning? Or are they really trying to address the cause? Good questions. I honestly don't know. I would hope that they want to address the cause, but there's no guarantee. I've never met anyone that that had that kind of vengeful aspect of justice and how they handled it afterwards, the eye for an eye, the tooth for a tooth, or uh, a killer of somebody that killed a member of their family, um, how they felt after that person was executed, if it was capital punishment. Is that a weight for them that never goes away, or is that weight less because of capital punishment? I think there's a burden to the person that, is vengeful afterwards as well. And that's a weight that people can carry as well. 
when you think about it, thinking about it as you're saying it, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, ultimately that's two lives lost. Although the family didn't take away that life for the person that committed the crime, they could have sat there and watched because you are allowed to sit there at the time of capital punishment, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So, I don't know. It's a tough question. Well, I think that's challenging for all our listeners. Let's shift to another situation and keep justice in mind and see if it changes our perspective at all. Uh, Serena Williams, the great tennis player, um, who's back playing after having a baby. She recently had, I think it was her worst defeat ever, losing in 52 minutes. She lost 6-1, 6-love in tennis. And she found the reason she cited afterwards was she found out 10 minutes before the match that the killer of her half-sister, her elder half-sister, who was in jail, um, was getting out early on parole due to good behavior. And she found out 10 minutes before the match, and it evidently had quite an effect on her, and she lost, as I said. So what do you make of that in our conversation with with justice and, and how it affects us? I think in that situation, that's pretty hard. First of all, she found out on one of an, an important event of her life. Yeah, hey, I guess it was through Instagram and um, oh, social media. Her her half sister was actually uh, the personal assistant to her and Venus at the time of her death. That's I honestly I feel bad for her. Um, sometimes I don't think people should be paroled because how do we not how do we know they won't do it again? How do we know that they're rehabilitated, especially since prison isn't really a rehab for anybody. So what did you really do? You sat there, you gave them a slap on the wrist in a sense, and then now you're saying, okay, you've done a good job, go back out. I think that's where I come back with forgiveness because true justice might be that we forgave and we actually rehabilitated that person. And instead of just punishing them, we they actually became a better version of themselves. You're a very forgiving person. Oh, it's easy to say. <laughs> It's easy to say in a vacuum, that, like we're talking about, if I don't, if I don't know the person that, you know, we, we keep talking about uh, murder and killing because it's, it's the strongest example we have. I think it's easy to have that position without actually going through something like that. Which is funny because I'm all for an eye for an eye and you're sitting here, let's forgive and make peace. But you can, all, I always related to what if that was me? And I guess maybe I just haven't had that, um, experience of forgiving. Maybe I'm just a grudge holder, so I don't forgive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, even if this person wasn't released for good behavior, uh, they were sentenced to 15 years. So they got out at year 12. So they were going to get out three years from now, either way, uh, based on their sentence. So that would have been justice served. Either way, Serena Williams would have had to deal with this day, uh, three years in the future, that this person gets out. And per our legal system, that would have been justice done. And those three years, he probably could have committed another crime that maybe kept him in there a little bit longer. Have you ever made a mistake before? Yes. I know you. I assume I'm not you, perfect. I assume you have not killed someone before, but no. <laughs> I'm going to go under that assumption and doing this podcast with you. Um, but these people are making mistakes. And I don't know all the circumstances of what led to certain crimes. And there's all sorts of lesser offenses in life uh, below murder. Um, But they made mistakes. 
should you not get a second chance in life or a third chance or a fourth chance, depending on uh, what the situation is. Making a mistake isn't murder. Sorry, I don't think it's a mistake. You knew what you were doing. It's not It's not like you sat there and was like, oh, hey, let me wake up and let me live my life. And then, oh, wait, I made a mistake and killed this person. No, you woke up and you did it. So at some point, you would give people a second chance. And then eventually, if something read, led to the threshold of murder, they would get no second chance. But at some point, you would give people a second chance with a certain crime, such as... Um, Petty theft, pickpocketing. I assume you'd give people a second chance. You wouldn't lock them up for their whole life. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. So, so where where is justice? Where does the justice become incarceration is the right solution? You know, we have murder as a line. You know, that's true. And I think that makes sense for a lot of people. You take a human life, and you're going to be incarcerated. But even again, with this uh, case um, that we just mentioned for Serena Williams' family. 15 years was the was the result. I guess legally justice was served, but apparently with the fact that she did not win, it wasn't served in her mind. So justice goes beyond the legal definition, I think is what we're both saying. It does. It's all dependent upon the person and what they feel. If they're forgiving, if they're a grudge holder, which in this case you have one that's a grudge holder and one that's forgiving. It's just dependent upon who you are. I'm stuck on this forgiveness thing. Should we just forgive intuitively uh, because we're, I don't know, Christian or religious in some way? Or does the forgiveness come based on merit of the person that did the crime, based on some sort of penance? Do they have to earn it, in other words? That's not bad. That would be a good idea. I mean, if somebody is able to earn it and they're truly willing to rehabilitate themselves, fine. Then why not? But nine times out of 10, when you're sitting there committing a murder, you're not really sitting here thinking about, oh, hey, can I forgive? I don't know. Murder is difficult and it makes it very challenging to, to consider justice. Uh, let's shift gears again, if it's all right. Fine with me. And I'm going to read about a case in New Zealand uh, where somebody tried to do something a little more creative outside the normal uh, judicial system. And uh, I'll, I'll read the case very briefly and we can see what we think about it and see if it challenges our views of what we what can we do? Uh, what should we do? And what really is justice? So in New Zealand, um, this man got stabbed uh, six times. He had a collapsed lung and facial scarring. In a restorative justice hearing, which I guess happens in New Zealand, I don't know New Zealand's justice system. I don't think Z Stuff, you are an expert on the New, Ze New Zealand justice system either, are you? Oh, of course I am. You didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This may come in. <laughs> Come in handy. Uh, the offender and victim actually worked out an arrangement in this case whereby the offender would pay the victim $15,000 for a cosmetic surgery and put in 200 hours of community service. If the offender followed through on this, uh, at the successful conclusion, uh, his two-year prison sentence, which was the sentence, could be suspended. What do you think about that arrangement? Where's, the, where's he getting the money from? Who's got that type of money? Hold on. Let me go pick it up outside my garage and here, here you go. Do I think that that's a nice idea? I think the concept of it is actually not a bad idea, but now you're sitting here asking for all this money. Where, where do you want them to come up with it? Well, the money was for a cosmetic surgery uh, that the victim needed, but are you saying only poor people commit crimes? A rich person couldn't have done this? Uh, 
that's a good question. A rich person probably could have done this, whereas the system could have saw that they had the money to pay the um, victim. Right. So, okay. When I use the like example that. of O.J. Simpson, right? Oh, O.J. Brother. Simpson had money. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did. He committed, well, potentially, allegedly, <laughs> uh, a heck of a crime. All right, so the courts in New Zealand, however, in this case, they overruled this decision, this arrangement between the victim and, and the offender, and the offender was forced to serve a four-year prison term. Uh, the victim did not get money for surgery, nor did they get any sort of, how do we say, moral equivalent of the forgiveness I'm talking about or uh, mercy uh, to let this go and not have this person incarcerated. The courts overruled them. What do you think about that? Why did they overrule him? What's in his history? That's the question. They didn't like that arrangement. I mean, you, you had the victim, the victim arranged their own terms with the offender and they didn't like the courts didn't like that arrangement. Right. Was it because they don't get money out of the situation or was it because this person had a history of being a violent offender? So, you know, how, how did this benefit? Did this benefit society by incarcerating this person? I don't think it benefit. It, it didn't benefit anyone, not the victim not the suspects. I think ultimately it benefited the court. The, the final result? Right, the that's what they wanted. Yeah. But if the, if the victim themselves was tr sitting here trying to give this person another chance, they show that they are willing to forgive, in which case you're for, and they wanted to try to help this person, but there's nothing that can be done. I, I think this is incredible because this, this shows that a victim could take action. This is something a victim could do by coming up with such an arrangement. Yes, it did not work out in this case, uh, but it, you know, if, if victims kept at this, it has the potential that victims could certainly do something and they could get what they really need instead of the justice system telling them what they need, which is basically, again, to me, our perspectives are different, is kind of vengeance, where this victim realized from a practical sense, they need money for cosmetic surgery. They had facial scarring um, and that's the way they wanted to go and offer some, some mercy. Um, the victim gets some control, if nothing else, in this situation. So I, I think this is kind of awesome in some ways. I think that is a good idea, and I can understand where you're coming from with that. They forgave. They needed, they needed to heal in their own way, and that's what they were going to do by allowing this person to, for the cosmetic surgery and for the rehab. So now, now we come back to what can we do, what should we do? We started this podcast by talking about the case in New York City, that, that killing you mentioned, what can a concerned citizen, an interested, empathetic citizen do in these cases? What should we do? What can we do? Uh, did you do anything in this case that, that you were concerned about? Did you take any action? Did it make you go about your life differently? No. Honestly, there was nothing that I did differently while this case was going on. I think what it did do was kind of help me open my eyes and be a little more sympathetic and empathetic. Although I did say eye for an eye, but I just want to treat people a bit kinder because you don't know what someone's going through and what what's going through their mind. So maybe a softer sense of what, it, like, come on, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say. At this point, listeners, I want to say, Want to share what's going on between your ears? Tweet us at Between the Ears. Now back to our conversation. I think what you're trying to say, Z stuff, is you don't think there's anything that people can do in such cases. 
that you were really affected by this, but you're, you're struggling with what you can do as an individual concerned person. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I would agree with that. Do you feel like there's anything you should have done or should do? I don't know. I don't know. What can I do? Honestly, I mean, when you think about it, I'm up in Syracuse there in New York City, but what can I do up here would be the question. I don't know. I honestly don't know what could be done. My human instinct when you first brought up the case to start the podcast was I felt some guilt. So I, I feel like my human instinct is telling me there's something I should should have done. I don't know what that is either, but I feel like there's something I, I should have done. Should I have written a, written a letter, letter to someone? Should I, should I have just treated people differently? Some sort of indirect response uh, to balance out the level of evil and good in this world or something? I, I don't know, but I feel like there was something that I should have done. And that, that's what that guilt that guilt in the beginning of this podcast made me feel like. I don't know. Do you feel guilt that you haven't done anything? I feel, I don't know if I feel guilt as opposed to just sadness with this whole situation. Mm -hmm. It's just sad to see how all these young people are growing up and thinking it's all right to just sit there and gangbang and kill other people when there's so much more to life. And then you sit here and you throw your life away and it's not only the victim, but it's also their families that they're affecting and it's just like what led up to this point that you needed to go and do this maybe that's why some people go into humanitarian work maybe to try to get the answers that we're looking for mm -hmm. and i mentioned that because i want to read from uh, a book that i read a while back that that folks told me about it's called the heart and the fist by uh, eric gratans uh, he used to do humanitarian work and then he joined the military and what I'm going to read is from when he was in uh, Croatia, when it was um, Serbs and um, Croatia uh, having fighting between each other. So our a humanitarian group was there in Croatia and he was giving out food. So this is this is from his book on on page 59. I remember a man in the camp telling me as he gestured at his hut that he appreciated the shelter. He appreciated the bread. He pointed to where his children could play, and he said he appreciated the volunteers and the crayons and the schoolwork. But he said, we need the Serbs to stop burning villages and raping women and killing brothers. That's what he really needed. So that speaks not to vengeance, but to wanting a solution. Um, he's already lost family. There's already been people that have been raped in his family, and he wants a solution. He didn't want, although he appreciated handouts and good feelings and um, sympathy. He wanted solutions. He wanted it to stop. What do you think about that? That's a totally different context. I don't think he's wrong in that. I think people should come together and really do something in their communities and just make a difference. I don't know if civil disobedience is going to really be the answer, but you have to fight for something. You have to start somewhere. And I agree. There there needs to be a solution. It's just, how do you go about it? And is anyone going to listen? So eventually Eric was uh, in front of a church and he was relating the story of um, Croatia and you know that experience that I just read from. And an elderly lady in the crowd simply said the same question I posed at the beginning of this podcast, what can we do? And he said, it was a simple question. And one that I should have anticipated, Eric says, but it caught me off guard. 
He said, I could have told her to send used clothing and toys overseas or to donate money to organizations that helped refugees. But he wasn't sure. He hesitated, and the crowd looked at him. He said the pause extended longer than he had intended, and the audience looked expectantly at me for an answer. And this is what he said. He said, we can certainly donate money and clothing, and we can volunteer in the refugee camps. But in the end, these acts of kindness are done after the fact. They're done after people have been killed, their homes burned, their lives destroyed. Yes, the clothing, the bread, the school, they're all good, and they are very much appreciated. But I suppose we have to behave the same way we would if any person, our kids, our sisters, brothers, parents, were threatened. If we really care about these people, we have to be willing to protect them from harm. That we comes back to what I said, is that after the fact, I, I agree with that. You can. You can sit here and do anything. You can bring them to community centers. You can create. The, they can go to the Y. They can do all types of things. But is it going to change? Will it make a difference? Is it? Is there a solution? Is there really a solution to the whole situation? It's not going to change it. It's not going to bring them back. Maybe it'll prevent somebody else from dying that type of horrible death. But... How many lives are really going to continue to be taken? So could justice be about our world overall, our society, our community, and true justice would be to make our community better, that we take something like the killing that you mentioned in New York City, and somehow that killing acts as a pause point for the block, for the neighborhood, for the borough, for the city, to make the community better that justice really may not be able to offer the solution for that family, that situation, that offender, but in a larger good. And that's why I brought in that reading, because that goes beyond even our American viewpoint of a domestic killing. Um, but the genocide is what I was talking about in another country. Um, could that, could that be the answers to our question that it, it acts as a pause point for all of us to try to improve our community. It's a start. You have to start somewhere. And that would be the beginning. And hopefully it would continue from there. I mean, every, every revolution, every, every time period, like with Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, everywhere had a starting point. It's up to everybody else. Man, that, that's a great thing to bring up because Martin Luther King Jr. gave his life. He did. In terms of what should we do or, you know, we talked about, uh, I brought up what I thought we could do. How far do we go? Do we give our life for it? You know, do you give $20? Do you attend a rally? How far do you commit to these things and what things do you commit to? Because we're talking with the most extreme example of murder. There's all sorts of problems in communities in America today. And racism, too, has not been eradicated. The civil rights movement, that work is not done. That's true. It's not. But it's dependent upon the person. I think it ultimately comes up to the, each individual. He, he died for his cause, Martin Luther King Jr. And whether that was his ultimate sacrifice or that was the ending point for him in his mind, did he think that was going to happen? I'm sure he didn't. But it did. And he did make a change because 
in 2018, people are still quoting him and still talking about him. So his death wasn't in vain. Mm. And maybe that person that died, their death is not in vain either. So that that's kind of why justice is part of this podcast. This is the Between the Ears podcast, really focusing on the mental side of life, what goes on in our brains, the emotional, uh, spiritual to a certain extent. But it's it's where our actions come from. So this decision that we are wrestling with is going to inform our actions about how we handle a situation regarding justice. For me, from this conversation, my perspective is definitely feeling challenged. I don't know how our listeners feel. I look forward to finding out. But what justice to me is, is feeling more like community and broader than the event that, that triggers this thought for me. How are you feeling about it? After speaking to you, I kind of feel a bit different about it. I don't ultimately think it should be eye for an eye. Maybe I'll let go of, you know, the grudge part and give that a chance. I, I have to start somewhere, right? I'm no different than anybody else. But if you, if you have hate, if either of us have hate in our hearts or a desire for revenge, that's a weight within us. That's a heaviness on us. And that's a further injury to the victim or those close to the victim. It, it almost, to me, gives a certain, it's not satisfaction for the offender, but it's, it inflicts greater pain So I'm doing a than disservice. it needs to. I don't know. I mean, there's not clear answers for all these things because we can't take up every single cause, I think. Um, and I don't think we're all going to give our life for every cause we come across. But, you know, re revenge, I, I don't know. It's not, a good, uh, it's not a good emotion to me. It's a negative emotion, right? Yes. So in a sense, did they win? Because they got someone like to hold that grudge, to not forgive? Hmm. I didn't think about it like that until just now. What do you think? I mean, did they win because they got one person to sit here and hold the grudge, even though it's not the family member? Did they? I think everybody loses in the situation you brought up without knowing every detail. Someone incarcerated is a loss because actually, let's, let's flip that. The offender has a mother, father, potentially on this earth still. They also have a emotions going through it's also a loss for them as well so you you have a lot of collateral family and friends that are affected on both sides of it we've been talking about the the victim and looking at justice from the victim perspective um but what about those that are actually uh the offenders and and the people around them i do think about that at times with situations like this it's but it's kind of hard it, it difficult in a sense to kind of feel bad for them because you know what led to what led these people to do this what was going on was it their home life it's taken us over 30 minutes to even think about them i know <laughs> like I, I i don't even it's hard for me to sit here and, and sympathize and empathize with them because they're the ones that created those people they created the murderer did what was going on in their home life what didn't they do right that's how I kind of see it. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know because there's so many different scenarios I brought up earlier. Can a rich person commit a crime just like a poor person? Whatever rich and poor means, it's on a relative basis. In America, we're pretty wealthy compared to other countries. 
But I, I don't think there's a standard background, whether it be family or uh, financials or other uh, socioeconomic type things. I, I just think there's a lot of diversity. So we're just going to call them some nasty assholes that decided it was okay to go murder somebody. Nah, I mean. I mean, what are we, what? Okay, they their family lost their, lost them. I get it. But at the same token, they can go see them behind that cell. They can go send them letters, give them commissary. We They're still there. We can definitely judge the action. I mean, I, I think being judgmental can be a problem for all of us, but we can definitely judge the action. But why it happened and going into the minds of them, that's a place for a psychiatrist to go. I, I, I don't think I'd want to go there. Murder seems like the ultimate mistake, does it not? It does. A mistake you can't come back from. So where do we go from here? We're talking about, we're trying to draw out what actions we can take. And it, it sounds like for justice, a lot of different things can demand justice. We have the most, one of the most extreme examples, taking a human life and murder. But other smaller slights, I mentioned pickpocketing or other slights that we go through in our life, uh, family, friends, society. Sometimes you feel like they deserve justice. You're cut off in traffic. You might feel like justice needs to be served. Somebody speeds by you on the road. You feel like justice should be served. Where is the police to ticket that person? Um, I feel like my mom, you'll just roll up on the side of them and throw something. That's her justice and keep it moving. There you go. That's it. Don't cut her off, people. That's a different <laughs> sense of justice. And people like to flip the middle finger in America quite often on the road. They do. And that must give people some sort of satisfaction. That is not an involuntary reflex. So that is a very small form of justice that you've expressed to somebody that that, that is not behavior you can condone. And you're pretty upset about it. <laughs> I don't, yeah. But we can't take action on everything. There's just not enough time in the day uh, for things that require justice. So coming back to what action we can take as we're about to conclude this podcast in a minute or two, um, we want to come away with some actions we can do um, over the next couple minutes. I think... I'm still thinking in terms of the community, some sort of good action if you see something that you think requires justice makes sense. I'm just struggling with what attracts our attention. The case you mentioned in New York City didn't attract my attention, but it sure attracted yours. Um, so any case that, that we come across that attracts our attention, we should probably... We're, are, we're paying attention to it. We should probably take some sort of action. Does that make sense as kind of like a starting blueprint? It does. I think it begins with us. It begins with it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately where it'll probably just go. That's the starting point. And that's what we need. A, a friendly face, a smile, a hello might change somebody's day. Every time there's an input of evil or something bad in this world, we have to add some sort of good to even it out. That's like as an abstract sort of thing that that's kind of making sense to me in a Zen, like yin and yang sort of way. Right. It does. Well, if we were all bad or all good, the world would be a boring place. Don't you think? That's true. That's true. You wouldn't know what, what good was if there wasn't right. evil and that sort of thing. And we learn by our failures, don't we? You don't we do. learn a lot with success. No, you definitely don't. You got to, got to be unafraid to fail. No fear. No fear. I like that. That got us through World War II with 
FDR. You've been listening to the Between the Ears podcast. Do you have a future topic idea or just want to interact with us? Tweet us at Between the Ears. Thank you and see you next time.